Hi, and welcome back to the Full English Podcast with me, Pam McLaughlin. With the continuing uncertainty caused by the pandemic, it's been a very challenging first term of this academic year. You know, you've had to quickly adapt to new ways of teaching and interacting with your learners. So I thought it would be a good time to help you reflect on your own well-being and mental health. And in this episode, my guest is Ashley Lodge. Now, Ashley is the mindfulness lead for Pearson, where he oversees mental health and well-being product development. Now, during our conversation, Ashley gives us an overview of how mindfulness works, including the psychology and neuroscience underpinning it. So it's fascinating. And then we have a little treat later on as Ashley guides us through a mindfulness practice, which lasts for a couple of minutes. By the end of this episode, you should have an insight into the positive impact mindfulness can have on you and even the school community. So enjoy and prepare to feel very calm and relaxed by the end of this episode. I'm really happy to have Ashley as a guest because from my own experience, I know how empowering mindfulness can be in giving you the tools to cope with pressures that happen in your professional and personal life. I'll just share a quick story from my own experience. About nine years ago, when I took up the role as head of a department with a team of 12 teachers, I had to deal with immense pressure as the school's results the year before I started had not been good. So the core subjects had come under increasing daily scrutiny and I was working 12 hours a day in school and weekends and work was going well, but I couldn't switch off from it. And it began impacting on my family life. And this is what led me to look into finding out about meditation and mindfulness because I'd never done that before. So I found an app, used it daily. And within a month, I was feeling like a different person. But I didn't talk to anyone about it as it felt like a weakness at the time. Now, here we are nine years later, and it's fantastic that we can talk openly about mental health. And that's why I'm so happy to have Ashley with us today to talk about mindfulness. So welcome, Ashley. It's really great you could join me today. Thank you. Well, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be part of it. You're welcome. And in the usual tradition with this podcast, can I just ask you to share a memory from your school days, Ashley? It can be positive, negative, anything you'd like to share with the listeners to get us started. I, yeah, no, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to share a, a something positive. I just remember my school days with great affection, really. I, I think for me, I had re a really good bunch of mates. And I think I remember just laughing a lot. The thing that used to get me into trouble was, was laughter and uh, sometimes talking too much. And I was always aided and abetted by my friend Jonathan, who was always up to some kind of mischief. He was either making me crack up in our German classes because uh, whenever we do a bit of work, we were asked to illustrate it. And Jonathan's artistic abilities were somewhat um, oh challenged. <laughs> and uh, whenever I would see some of the things that he would write, I would literally start cracking up. The teacher would come over ready to give me a detention and then he would actually see what Jonathan had pulled off only himself to be laughing. Jonathan's crowning glory was I used to uh, go we used to go to a Catholic school and we would have mass every so often in our school chapel mm -hmm. in different forms and I played the keyboard in those days and what I hadn't realized is that Jonathan had set up the keyboard do you remember those Yamaha keyboards that were all the rage in the 80s yes definitely if you remember there used to be a synchro start on them that if you <laughs> pressed any key it would start drum rolls and cymbals and everything crashing <laughs> yeah I went yeah. to start to play the hymn for the start of mass Oh. And Jonathan had lined it up so that Synchro Start kicked in. And I think, 
everyone wow. around, including the priest, who had a great sense of humour yeah. to realise that someone had obviously played a prank on me. So, um, but I, I think it always helped me see that laughter and seeing the lighter side to things in life can really help get you through when when things are tough or difficult for me so that was always yeah fond memories of school but something I think that set me up for life always being able to have that sense of humor and see the lighter things lighter side to life I can just imagine that happen it would be funny and at the time you're sort of like oh no but it's and as you say it's good <laughs> it was mortifying I was getting ready I was getting ready to show my great keyboard skills and instead we had all these drum rolls going off and everything and I was just like oh dear right <laughs> but at least you remember it and it's a good memory to remember yes. so yes. yeah that's good so let's go straight into talking about mindfulness and first of all can you tell me a bit about your own background and your own journey as it were into how you discovered mindfulness and how it became such an important part of your life and even how it evolved to you becoming the mindfulness lead for Pearson Sure. OK, well, I think to, to give you the background, I think I've always been a person who's probably been more anxious. I think we we probably have it um, genetically in our family. Both my mum and dad are warriors and so are my brother and sister. I think so we always grew up with, you know, as being kind of warriors. And uh -huh. that's fine. You know, it's, it's mm. natural worrying about things, I think. But there's times I think for everyone who's a bit of a warrior, when that worry uh, can become a bit more pernicious and I think that's when it tips over from being worry yeah which is more low level into anxiety which is more constant that constant feel of kind of oh god is it going to go wrong what's happening and here? tense feeling of yeah. tense yeah, yeah. absolutely you know just always maybe thinking worst case scenario yeah and the, there'd been some times in my life when that was really really hard and you know certainly I trained as a teacher and I, I, I taught in primary and secondary schools in the UK and in a private school in Italy and um, and, you know, there's a lot of pressure. So I think those things where you're feeling very, very under pressured can really if you're a, if you're an anxious person can really bring that to the fore. Mm. And in, over the different years, I'd learned different techniques. I'd done a bit of counselling. Um, I'd learned some CBT techniques. And, and, you know, that was all good and useful, but it never really seemed to have any kind of really deep, long lasting effect. Right. Yeah. So we then get to, I think it was 2013, and I managed to, oh no, what it was, is I went to see my doctor, because I was, it really used to impact my sleep. Right. I used to have really bad insomnia. And it, oh, that's awful, it, yeah. But it's, it's rare nowadays, um, thankfully. But I went yeah. to him and I talked about him, and, uh, and he said, well, look, you know, we could give you medication. And I said, well, I don't really, I don't really want medication as such I said I don't really get on with because I think he was suggesting antidepressants because I think uh, the mood resulting anxiety causing insomnia was affecting my mood and my mood was dropping right. and I said I don't really I'm not a massive fan I don't really want to try I don't really want to have uh, antidepressants I don't feel it needs that I want to try something else and he said well actually there's this new technique that's gaining popularity called mindfulness and he said why don't you go out and buy this book called mindfulness um, finding Peace in a Frantic World, which is the book of the eight week um, mindfulness course that they're teaching here at the University of Oxford uh, Mindfulness Centre. Mm -hmm. So I, I did that and started it. And I think like all great self-help books, it, it's great, but you really, really have to stick to it. Um, and I think it's hard if you haven't got someone guiding you. Now, as luck would have it, I managed to get myself on uh, on a pilot study so I got onto the Oxford Mindfulness Centre course that they were running 
um, for people that had long term health health issues, because I I had one that's related to digestion right. and um, I, I fulfilled the funding criteria and I got on this course in September 2013. Now, I, I went in with an open mind going, I'll give this a go, but maybe it's going to be a bit like CBT and those other therapies. It will work for a bit and then it will stop. Um, but I kept doing it. It was two hours every week, every Wednesday. My, the, so Pearson were very kind. They released me every two hours, every Wednesday to go along to the course. There was about 15 of us and we would do two hours of different practices. We, we would be taught different techniques. We would discuss them in groups. We would then practice them. Um, and then we get our, our homework, if you like, our list of things to do, including like daily. And I did that and it was eight weeks. And it was hard, actually, because I went through a breakup, a relationship breakup in the middle of that that was really, really tough. Um, but I stuck at it. And at the end of it, I wasn't convinced that, you know, I, I thought it's made some difference. But it was actually my boss who said to me, actually, you're way calmer. You're way more together. You don't get so riled by things now. And I was going, hmm, maybe there is something in this mindfulness malarkey after all. And um, and really, it kind of grew from there. And it was a couple of years later when I was talking to our then SVP, um, who was a very big advocate of um, mental health and well-being. Yeah. And I said to her how much it helped me. And she said, well, could you run a course? And I said, well, no, I'm not trained. But I said I could get a group together using the book of the course. Mm. And we did that and we got people's psychological data before and after. We anonymised it and we, we did a, a study based around anxiety. And in the eight weeks, their anxiety levels halved using what's called wow. the GAD7 scale. Yeah, that's and amazing, that like, isn't it? Wow. And, you know, and mm. then people started going, mm, there's something in this. Repeated it again. And then we started getting into discussions about what we could do to get this more across the whole of Pearson. Um, I was asked to then go and do a TED style talk. At, um, Rob Brister, who's our, our president, as you know, yeah, for our, uh -huh. our bit of business. I was asked to do a TED style talk for his bit of the business at the beginning of 2017. Yeah. And uh, and then, yeah, from that, there was so much interest. I was uh, they then then said, you know, we've created this kind of mindfulness revolution and the deal was that i got a secondment two days a week to go and run mindfulness courses for um for our different peers and colleagues across our different uk offices the one thing i neglected to say yeah. was actually back in 2016 because we'd been able to demonstrate the effectiveness of it i actually then said if you want me to run anymore it'd be i really need to be trained up so i did yeah. so i did an intensive teacher training program Brilliant. Uh, mm. which was brilliant and from that then I I, I then became the mindfulness lead uh, for Pearson that was yeah 2017 so it's been three years now yeah because I know recently I think well time's in a bit of a, a bubble at the moment because of uh, the pandemic but I think it was was it early this year or last year when you went to Italy mm. and did um and work with teachers over there do you want to just talk to us a little yeah. bit briefly about yeah. what you did there so as you know we've got our own kind of intranet cross pearson uh which is called neo which is a bit like facebook for for our business mm -hmm. and i was obviously posting about all the mindfulness work i was doing they would they'd seen lots of stuff i'd posted about the different kind of courses i'd run for pearson staff uh, they also then found out that i'm an italian speaker um and they said you know well, there's a real level of interest um in in mindfulness in italy you know, could you could you come out and work with us and, and run a kind of like intro to mindfulness, uh, a condensed kind of 
uh, four week kind of intro course that we could run for teachers. And I said, sure. So what I did is I worked with my supervisor because all mindfulness teachers, a bit like counsellors or therapists or coaches, have supervisors. Right. OK. And my own supervisor had actually created a, um, a four week kind of intro of kind of basics to mindfulness course. Mm-hmm. And under his kind of guidance and supervision, he helped me and my co-teacher, the brilliant Lisa Wren, um, pull this oh, yeah. course together. Uh, we then worked with our Italian colleagues to translate it into Italian so that it was mother tongue correct. And yeah, so I had this wonderful, uh, wonderful secondment uh, last November and December. I was based in based in Milan and worked in the office on Mondays and Fridays. Oh, fantastic. The online course mm. Then would bomb down on the Freccia Rossa, their, their high speed train to Rome, across wow. the Trastevere, to the Ministry of Education. And I would have two classes to teach. Uh, one in Italian, one in English. Oh, wow, Ashley, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it, but I tell you, I mean, <laughs> Must wow. have been full on, I mean, though. It was full on. And I mean, you know what it's like teaching, but when you're teaching in a high stakes environment yeah. with in a, in a language that's not your first language. You have to go from with, one language to the other language as well. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you, it's it mentally it was really knackering. But we had, across those two groups, we had about 65, I think 65 who completed the course. And it was really, you know, really brilliant working with them, taking them through, talking to them about the different principles, the psychological education, mm-hmm. explaining then about everyday mindfulness, simple ways uh, like, you know, simply making a cup of tea, going through all the steps and boiling the water, putting in the tea bag, watching the colour change, smelling it, adding milk and sugar, watching the colour change, holding it in your hands, you know, all of those everyday mindfulness techniques and things that we learn as well as then the formal practice is what we also call meditation. And we're going to do a little one later. Yeah, looking forward and, to that. And, you know, through that, we did that. So we had an hour, we had well, actually 90 minutes together each week to go through that, work in small groups. And it was the questions and the discussion that we had that was as important as the actual teaching yeah. practice. Um, because people are unable to really understand it and experiment and use it in their daily lives. And talk with they, others about how they've used it and yes, discuss it. Exactly. Yeah. And to give very specific examples of how they could then use it in That's the classroom. It. Because I said, yeah. this course is for you as teachers for your own well-being. Mm-hmm. And I said, because we know the pressures that teachers are oh, on. Yeah. So it's an immensely, you know, you've taught in the classroom, I've taught in the classroom, you know, in our roles within Pearson, we constantly, you know, talk to teachers, teachers and learners yeah. to understand them. And we know how pressured it can be. Exactly. So there's the, there's the one aspect around managing kind of the, the, the stress and anxiety. But the other great thing that mindfulness is really good at is improving that focus and concentration. So it's not just stressed and anxious people that can benefit, but also maybe people whose minds might wander more, you know, might go off on little journeys around and might just want to gather their mind and help have that greater sense of focus and attention. Mm -hmm. So and that's what we cultivated over that that one month course at the Ministry of Education in in Rome. And we we ran a psychological study on it Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting. You know, the results we got from that mirrored pretty much they were very similar to the Pearson course that I run right yeah you guys and you know we saw a 30 percent drop in levels of anxiety over the four weeks we saw just under an 18 percent drop in um, perceived stress 
Wow. And I think something around a 10% increase in focus and attention over the four weeks. And isn't it great that you're actually actually able to use the data to measure and you can see the effectiveness and, you know, the impact it's had. Did you mm. find in Italy that the teachers over there have the same sort of pressure and stresses that we have over here? Is it the same everywhere, do you think, in that respect? I think yes. I think yeah. in nearly everywhere I've been. Or, and I've done quite a few international um, courses now, you know, online webinars. Yeah. Um, so my experience is definitely well beyond the UK and I think you know teachers wherever they are it's it, I think any job that is more vocational based where you really put your your heart and soul into that's it that's it yeah uh, and you know and I think working with young people can be very it's immensely rewarding but it can be immensely challenging we remember back to our own teenage years when you've got oh dear, all don't. The, you, know, you said all you the... used to talk a lot in school that was me as you can probably tell yeah and I think <laughs> to myself remember? goodness me those teachers must have been driven mad by me <laughs> yeah you know and especially I remember back to when I was a teenager you had all those hormones raging around oh. everything you know it's and <laughs> oh dear you know, yeah and it's, exactly. it's hard you know it's hard being a teenager it's hard you know it's growing up but equally for teachers I think there is well, so think... much on that's it. And I think also, apart from everything else that teachers have to deal with out of the classroom, with everything else, parents' evenings and data and tracking progress, et cetera, et cetera, you, you come across, I don't know how many students in one day, hundreds of students in one day, all those different personalities you have to deal with. And like you said, it's so rewarding, isn't it? But it does, you know, you do have those moments where by a Friday, period five, you're probably just drained most of the uh -huh. time, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah it's interesting. It's well, on, I was sorry. going to say the other thing, the other thing that I enjoyed doing was this this year, actually, I was invited to go to um, as a school in Oxford that has like a, a conference, mainly a sixth form conference. But they oh, let, right, they, yeah. year, 10, 10's, uh, year 10 and 11s go too. And I worked with two groups there. We had two little intro sessions, uh, one that was mainly kind of year 10, 11 and some year, year 12s as well. And it was really interesting just talking to them about what their main stress is and, and yeah I was just going to ask yeah. you and what sort of things did they say then uh, you know and it was a real mix of kind of exam worry um yeah. all the kind of things that you get about growing up you know what do people think of me especially oh, of I think a lot of pressures with social media oh that's um, definitely made things worse I think in that respect yeah. it's good and in I, some ways but you know yeah, yeah. I think about, but interesting, you know, and we talked a bit about social media too and how, you know, best it could be managed, but also using those kind of mindfulness techniques to help manage when those strong emotions roll in. Mindfulness is very good at helping us just take a step back rather than getting caught up in the vortex of those emotions. And so it was quite interesting, not just having a discussion about what is life throwing up for you as a young person, but actually here are some hints and techniques and tips that you might be able to use so it was really interesting talking to That's both really learners as well as teachers and of course you know and it's what we what we're cultivating when we practice mindfulness is that sense of openness curiosity being non-judgmental and when you're non-judgmental it really allows you to actually listen better you listen better to one another and also that being non-judgmental that's very you know, important, yes. Very, very important. In order to be a really decent listener, in order, I actually think, to be a better human, we have to be aware that we all can be judgmental, but actually that's just natural because we judge everything coming to us in terms of sensory data to know whether it's a threat or not. Mm -hmm. The only yeah. trouble is when we're constantly judging, we can easily rush into bringing stories that might not be true. 
And so mindfulness, I think, is very good at being able to stand back from the own from and to be able to see more objectively the workings of our own mind. And and maybe where, you know, sometimes also where our, our biases come in and prejudices and things like that. And I think it's really good for us learning to be, especially with all of the all of the, the work going on with the, the BLM campaign, you know, yeah. really helping us look and confront where we might have reflect on it yeah exactly absolutely yeah so so i think it mindfulness i think is brilliant because it's just it's so good at helping us manage our own mental health and well-being but also how we approach the world and what we see go on in that and 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 you have the tools within yourself to do the mindfulness don't you it's not like you have to go and buy some specific tools to do it you know what i mean you have to have any sort of equipment you can actually do it can't you that's the good thing all it, it all it takes is, is time and effort. It takes, you know, learning it through a decent course. Yeah. And we'll talk about the one that we're offering to teachers towards the end of this. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it, it's to make sure that if you're interested in mindfulness and you want to do it, that you you find a, a good course led by someone who knows what they're doing. So check out the credentials of mm. whoever's doing it. Mindfulness courses can be a variety of of of, of lengths. The stand the gold standard is eight, um, but very you can do intro courses in four weeks. The normal one I run within Pearson is six weeks. But really, it's what are the principles and the principles of the course that I run are based on what's called mindfulness based cognitive therapy. I was just going to ask you about the CBT. Yeah. Do you want to just. Uh, yeah. So just for people that, that, that are in, again, want to know a bit more about it. There's there's a few different schools of mindfulness. The, the first one that started to come out in the late 70s and early 80s was founded by John Kabat-Zinn, who I guess is probably regarded as one of the founders of mindfulness in the West. He wanted to take practices that had come out of Eastern spirituality, principally Buddhism, and see if he could fuse them with other kind of uh, other kind of Western techniques and approaches that would help people actually have a better relationship with with pain and stress. And he founded what was called MBSR, Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction. And he was running a clinic, I think, the Stress Reduction Clinic in the University of Massachusetts Hospital in Boston and started producing papers about the people that were coming and doing the course who were able to deal better with long term pain conditions, debilitating pain conditions and also stress conditions. And then a bunch of psychologists and psychiatrists saw the research coming out from this and said, what if we could adapt this for people that were suffering from reoccurring depression? Because the dominant way of treating depression was either with um, Prozac style drugs, SSRIs, yeah. or um, or CBT. But right. the relapsing rate was was still a reasonable level, as far as I understand. Mm, yeah. And they said, what if we were to take again these these Eastern principles, this more these uh, meditations, this more Buddhist style approach? fuse it with CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, and create MBCT, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which forms the basis of the curriculum that I teach within Pearson and that I train people up that I did at the Ministry of Education in yeah. Rome, and that is the basis of the course that we're offering out to, to teachers now. Um, so that, if you like, is, is a little whistle-stop tour of how it's kind of evolved into what it is today. I was reading the other day somewhere that this just 
mental health issues at the moment because of I mean what month is it it's October we're in October yes. at the moment <laughs> who knew you know, just it's like a blur isn't it but we're in October at the moment and they're saying you know there's a there's a there's a time bomb ticking of people who you know young people adults who are going to have more mental health issues than they've ever had because of the situation we're in so I think mindfulness at the moment is just something that is just so vital to try and get out to as many people as possible Absolutely. You know, I think, of course, I think all of us, uh, there isn't anyone I don't know who hasn't been affected by what's mm. happened this year with the with the pandemic. Yeah, I think what mindfulness has been really good at helping me deal better with the situation has yeah. been this sense, actually, of returning to the present moment because it's the yeah. only moment in which we can fully live. That's true. I've done that. Is, yeah. The past is done. The future is yet to come. Um to accept and to be okay where we are right now mm-hmm. yeah and that can Good very point. often let go of the additional pressure that we put on ourselves because we also i want it to be this way so it's how can we be okay in this moment and know that actually all things come to pass mm-hmm. and at the same time to say actually this helps me be resilient when life throws up this kind of situation and it's throwing this up for everyone we're all in this together, what we're going mm-hmm. through at the moment, this pandemic. And it is this sense that actually, you know, uh, you know, our grandparents went 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 through, what was it, five, six years of the war? Yeah, with this concept of bombings and people having to go off and would loved ones return from the front and things like that. And I think, you know, let's look where we are and let's look at how all the things we've got, all the research that's being done. If Grateful for what we've got as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And cultivate that sense of gratitude mm. and learn how to manage how often we decide to watch the news, because sometimes a lot of unrelenting negativity can seep in and can bring our mood down. Yeah. And again, that's the other thing about mindfulness, that we can be more objective. We can stand back and we can go, what is the wisest, calmest, best thing I can do for me right now mm. to look after myself so that I might better help other people? Maybe it is to have a day off from the news. Well, it's funny, you know, because I... Sorry, go on. Or I was just going to say, or limit. Maybe have just five, ten minutes That's a day. That's what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I used to be one of these people that obsessive, watched every briefing, watched the news. Um, you know, I'd watch all the news because I was wanted to keep up with everything that was happening because you do want to feel like you're involved. You, it's, it's, part, it's affecting you, isn't it? But I've got to the point now after all these months where I just watch the news at 10 or whatever and I try, I just, I don't even bother, mm. you know, I don't go looking to read articles about it and things that I just, you know, try not, to, I just limit it a little bit. Like you say, I think that's quite a wise thing to do. If you yeah, want I, to do that, obviously some people just don't want to, yeah. they like to find out all the information, but I think, you know, you can think about it yourself and think, well, actually, is this the best thing for me or should I be limiting it a little bit, like you say? Yeah. And yeah. I think one of the things that, you know, we do talk, we touch on, actually, is our own inherent negativity bias. Mm. Our brains are predisposed to look to the negative more in cases of threat to us. Right. Um, yeah. And that's actually why news sells. And that's why most of the news stories are going to be stories that are going to more pique our attention is this what I'm hearing? Is this could be as a threat to me? Mm. Well, that's fine. That's helped us survive as a species all these millions of years. But when we're constantly like in that mode, it primes the amygdala, the stressy bit of the brain that fires off the limbic oh, system. All right. OK, I didn't realise that. Interesting. Mm. That co- the cortisol and adrenaline, the flight or fight response. But I mean, and very often that's what teachers can encounter when they're there in a classroom and they've got a difficult, stressful situation and you start to get a bit sweaty and a bit tongue tied and a bit. Ah! 
Yeah, we've all that, been there. Yep, that's the fight or fight response coming in because it's going, oh God, I'm getting ready for, getting ready to run here or do something because mm. I can't keep up with it all. Mm. So mindfulness goes, ah, right. Step one is acknowledge what's going on. Give yourself a momentary pause just to go, actually, it's okay. I'm here. Just have a breath or so. And then that helps calm down that automatic reaction that, that's fine, that limbic system response, um, the, the sympathetic nervous system releasing the Because you can have breath. that impact, can't you, on your own physicality. You can do that. And that's, yeah. you know, such a and good thing we, that you can actually do that to yourself. Yeah. And what you're learning is you're learning to start to see these things sooner rather than later. So then you can go, oh, actually, just a simple thing like anchoring myself for the moment in my breath then starts to activate the prefrontal cortex, the bit at the front of the brain, which is the bit associated with the calmer, the calmer wiser thinking and the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system, which then issues all the chemicals that then calm us down to say, it's okay, there isn't a threat, it's okay. And what we know now, what we, what we believe is the case, is that you can put people under fMRI, so a version of magnetic resonancing imagery, before and after a mindfulness course and see that the structures of the brain alter. There's less really wow. Yeah, for people with for people with who get who get quite anxious, there'll be a lot of neural activity around the amygdala, that area of right. the fight, fight response. When people have finished a mindfulness course or a course of meditation, then you can see that actually that act, neural activity is switched down and there's more neural activity in the prefrontal cortex. And what we what we believe is that actually mindfulness is rewiring the brain is actually helping grow neural connections in the prefrontal cortex and calming down them in the stressy bit of the brain around the limbic system around the amygdala. That's a very, very oversimplified well, way. But can I just ask you, so I was just going to say, you know, what this reminds me of. I think I heard you talking about this before mm. where, you know, like if you go to the gym, you use weights or, you know, you're yes, at home, you yes, use yes, kettlebells yes. or whatever. It's like that, isn't it? You're building those sort of muscles, as it were. But obviously they're not muscles. Yeah, I and mean, that, that is you're right. You, I can tell you've done my course. Well done. Very pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the analogies I'm using when I when I teach my students. What I'm saying to them is let's give them examples that they might help that really would resonate with them. Mm. And I give the example of the gym and, uh, you know, going there. And I remember my PT setting me certain weights that I needed to, to lift in repetition to help grow my biceps. Uh, and I know that actually to start off with it feels painful. And you do it and afterwards your arm aches, but you're tearing the muscle fibers and growing and, uh, and growing that muscle. And it's the same with mindfulness. It takes that daily practice. And I think some of the research is showing us that just 10 minutes of daily practice of following a mindfulness meditation or practice is enough to start that rewiring process. And you keep doing that over a period of four, six, eight weeks and then continue it on beyond. You keep doing it. You rewire the brain. And I mean, for me, I think how my life has changed and how I feel more way more calm and together as a result of doing my daily practice yeah. and you know my even my own practice might might at times be better than others and i know when i'm doing really good deep practice because i will feel no matter what life throws at me i you ready I for rise it. to the challenge uh, and the the invite that mindfulness gives us is always to keep doing it even when things even when we're in the smelly stuff even when things feel really mm, tough mm. and we might not want to do it the invitation is still to be there and to use that very moment, those experiences to keep 
doing the practice. And by keep doing the practice, you're rewiring the brain. You know, it's only recently that this concept of neuroplasticity that we can actually rewire our brains is now gaining real traction within neuroscience. Because prior to that, dominant mode was very much your brain was going to be fixed by nature and nurture mm, from, yeah. a, from, from a younger age. And actually, this this is opening up whole new ways that we might understand how we can how we can learn and train our brains. And I think this is really brilliant because it means that we can you you can teach an old dog new tricks. And, yeah, I, think and I think that is vital. And I think it's such a powerful, empowering thing to be able to do. I mean, I know I only started your course a couple of weeks ago, but, um, you know, for me, 10 minutes I think you said in the course you could do 10 minutes in the morning or 10 you should do it morning mm. and twice a day basically that's what I'm trying to say and I, I found yeah. yeah and I found it quite difficult some days I don't even know why because I'm working from home but it's quite difficult to fit in it in twice a day and I'm doing I get up early and do exercise as well so it's kind of fitting it in but I've made sure I've done it every day and I've just definitely found it's got you become better at it as the more you practice it don't mm. you yeah yeah and it is it's, it's very easy, I think, when people start that they get frustrated because they keep saying, my mind wandered. Oh, my mind wandered so oh, much. Yeah. I, keep saying, mm. I keep saying that is absolutely fine. And that is normal. And that journey that you try to focus your attention on something, but you are aware your mind wandered off and you went, oh, hello, that off. Right. Gently come back. And we always use like training the puppy mentality. Uh, that uh, you, you, when you're training a puppy, you always treat that puppy with a sense of gentleness, a sense of kindness, giving it a reward. Because when we beat our own our own minds up, we know from psychology what what resists persists. But actually, when we treat our mind in a different way and say, "Hey, that's okay. You're only doing what minds do. Come back now to the focus of attention on the breath yeah. or a different part of the body." You're gently training it and actually using really good kind of linguistic techniques to help reinforce what you're doing, to help reinforce to your own mind that you're learning something positive. And it takes time. But I think everyone and I imagine even the most seasoned Zen masters have times when their mind wanders. Yeah. And that's OK. Mindfulness is that awakening that your mind had wandered off and you're bringing it back. Because it is strange because at the start of the pandemic, after a couple of weeks, I thought, well, I've got a bit, I'm not commuting now, so I'll start looking into meditation and things like that. So I did. And in the beginning, I was, my mind, I couldn't seem to keep it in there for, you know, I couldn't seem to focus at all hardly, but it's definitely got better. And then yeah. as I started sort of swap that for mindfulness, I mean, what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Is there a difference? I th so mindfulness, if you like, is a form of meditation but I think it's important to say that mindfulness to me that, that there's kind of three bits when we when we do a mindfulness course we're kind of the three constituent bits to it mm -hmm. uh, we're doing the psychological education so we're educating people about what we call both doing and being modes of mind yeah very often existing in doing mode does what it says on the thing gets things done but isn't always the wisest calmest way of dealing with difficulty or, or difficult emotions and our emotional lives. And so that's what we call being mode. So it allows us to shift gear to know when is an appropriate time. So rather than go from always being in being in, in doing mode, sorry, which is always very an analytical, always does things in the same kind of uh, routine uh, that might yeah. not always be the calmest, wisest, most appropriate ways and invites us, we, we learn each of the weeks, there's different sets of behaviours. And what we're trying to do is go from a more doing mode of behaviour 
into a more being mode of behavior, at least learn when is appropriate to do that. So that's the psychological bit, if you like, the the, the difference mm. between doing and being mode. Then there's the formal practices associated. So each week normally has its own theme. And like week one of the course is very much around coming off autopilot. And in order to help people do that, we do uh, the raisin practice where people are asked and, and uh, to, mm -hmm. to eat and engage all their senses from taking a raisin on their palm to rolling it around to feeling it to looking at the colours yeah. to um, uh, the smells and what they might evoke and then putting it on the tongue and tasting it. Yeah, it's really interesting that that is. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll go through and then there's, then there will be like body and breath, which introduce the two key anchors that our breath and how the breath coming and going can help us anchor ourselves. And then by coming back to our bodies, because in mindfulness, we're big advocates that uh, we believe a lot in what's called embodied cognition, that our, our bodies hold a lot of our emotional lives. Think about all the turns of phrase we have in our own language. I had a lump in my throat. My heart skipped mm, me. I busted yeah. my, my tummy. And the amount of times you sit there and you don't realise that you're actually got tension in your shoulders or whatever, yes. and you suddenly go, I, I've made a conscious effort now to, yeah. you know, they're coming back to the body and the body scan part of your yes. course. I've made a conscious effort to check yeah. myself and think, oh, wow, my shoulders are really hunched up yeah. or whatever. Is... You don't even realise. Yeah. And, and that's again, we're becoming more aware of actually how we're holding our body because we use our body as an emotional radar. What's going on here? Because sometimes we can see it coming up in our bodies before we've also started, almost started thinking. Or sometimes when we start getting into the thinking, we might go, why am I feeling sad today? What's going wrong? Then we can get into this cycle of analysis that actually it yeah. might just be it's a bit of a grey day nothing more than That's that it. Or mm -hmm. I simply maybe didn't sleep enough last night it's nothing more than that but yeah. coming back to the body and breathing into those bits in the body I can stop that automatic cycle of analysis that might only bring my mood down and the third silo that we do in mindfulness is everyday mindfulness like I was describing earlier how yeah. we might approach eating how we might approach drinking a cup of tea being in the shower in the morning and just feeling that, that now people might think water. that's a bit strange if they've never done mindfulness I might think that's a bit strange if I'm making a cup of tea why would I why would that help me by doing that do you want to just explain why that does help you it's coming back into you it's it's training the folks the attention to be fully present in that moment mm. and by you going through all those different steps from boiling the water uh, putting the tea bag in the cup, watching the water hit that tea bag as you kind of get that that lovely amber colour coming out of the tea bag. Usually you're an then, autopilot, but the way you're describing it now. Yeah, exactly. And, and when, it. yeah, and then you go through those steps and you see the colour change and you feel the warmth of it in your hands and then you might want to add sugar to taste to alter the taste of it. And what's what's lovely is you're just in that moment, you just had those that minute or so. But that minute where you've been completely focused and you've been your, your senses and you've been you've lived that moment in technicolor rather than doing it like an automaton. Yeah. Without any kind of realization. And it's those simple things that actually is, again, a really good way of bringing our attention, because when our minds constantly wander off, we know that a mind that's constantly distracted, that constantly is wandering around and going off to here, there and everywhere is more likely to be a mind that might encounter low mood right yeah and therefore if we can gather the mind to work in a in, in a better way which is what we're kind of doing in in mindfulness is a way of training our minds to work in better calmer wiser ways it's a gathering a bringing together as you like the mind mm. and it, it's those simple things um, if you, as much as the formal meditations mm. and if you have some people who maybe 
maybe a little skeptical about it I would say try it because until you've tried it you can't imagine you know how how powerful it can be and I think the other thing is you know you were asking earlier what what's the difference between you know so in in mindfulness as I was explaining there is part of it that is meditations mm. now meditation it can cover lots of different practices but the ones in mindfulness are very much directed to to, to those simple approaches of kind of mindfulness of breath mindfulness of body you know such as the body mm -hmm. scan literally yeah. laying down and working your way through different parts of the body to see and experience what sensations are going on and just experience and explore them with a sense of openness and curiosity we also do mindful movement mindful stretching in week three to look at how sometimes again where we might hold tension how we might overstretch ourselves sometimes and how worse, much as we don't do that physically we don't do that mentally and then we do uh, kind of almost not visualizations and such but we we just sit back in week four and look at sounds and thoughts so we experience sounds through qualities rather than labeling them because when we start to label sounds straight away we're going into the story behind them right. and we mm -hmm. just we got a lovely kind of technique where we see thoughts coming and going like images or like something on a screen moving around and we're in the audience mm -hmm. kind of watching yeah. them uh, so that be, way of being able to see our thoughts more objectively is really useful uh, and yeah, yeah. Well, so we, we have about uh, seven or eight different kind of set practices or meditations that we use and they don't have to be done kind of kneeling down or, or, or sitting cross-legged very often they're done in a seat and you can or, or on a yoga mat for the body scan people can sit cross-legged but um and it's not there are some meditative traditions which are about emptying the mind we also in mindfulness know it's very much about if you like having some sense of awareness of your mind mm. and a sense of being able to gather it into uh, to, what's your focus of your attention here is it on the breath or the body or kind of because when you do breath? focus on the body the thing i found really fascinating I suppose is you know you might you know you start concentrating on I mean you're doing mindfulness and you sort of focus on your feet or whatever to start off with maybe I'm just saying that and you, you suddenly feel tingling sensations in your body mm -hmm. down your feet or whatever that you wouldn't have noticed if you didn't do it yeah and you're connecting reconnecting back and you're becoming aware of your body rather than like you said just your mind and I think that's fascinating and sometimes it's it really good us, sometimes it actually gives us just a moment out because you know we can all get so like escapism isn't it yeah I suppose I wouldn't say so much for me it's escapism for me it's actually a return in fullness okay right reality. yeah that makes sense but it's 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 it, in a way it's a, 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 a I don't know it's got a purity of experience because what we're trying to do is experience things more directly rather than through the constant analysis and interpretation we put onto things. Right. Okay. And so yeah, that me, makes sense. That's that's the real difference with mindfulness. There is that purity of experience of of using our senses. And it, what does it fully be? Fully mean to be in that moment mm. to experience things like, you know, when I go out, I go out. My two anchors are my mindfulness practice and exercise, either going out on my bike or being in the gym. And, you know, what mindfulness is good is that when I'm on my bike doing my my circuit around the country, I will be so in that moment, so consumed by looking at the change of the colours in the trees. Yeah, especially at na with nature as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I find that it deepens those experiences and they they are experiences that I have probably in a greater sense of technicolour, if you like, rather than shades of pastel or grey. And that's, I think, one of the key differences that you people start to get when they do mindfulness. Mm, definitely. And um we well 
time is marching on for us and we could talk about this all day because I'm really enjoying this but what I'd like us to do if that's okay with you is could we would it be okay if we did a mindfulness task now to demonstrate to the listeners yes but what but one thing just to just to pick up on there oh I dear call it, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a task as such because I think when we say task that feels very much you know doing mode that's it's a really good point doing. yeah I stand so I corrected and I would bear that in mind. That's a really good point, though. Yeah, it does sound but like it's, it's a it's something that's going to be. And yeah. And yeah. that's the importance of, you know, ideally uh, that, you know, it's always good to do a mindfulness course or have something, you know, that you can have that sense of discussion where people can bring up these things and they can discuss it with others, with colleagues or a mindfulness teacher to help them unpack misconceptions or things like that. Mm, so yeah. really, it would be we'd call it a mindfulness practice or a mindfulness meditation. Yeah, because that sounds it moves better. Us from doing mode and puts us into being mode because what we want to use is this next minute or so to fully be in this moment by experiencing these different parts of the body that uh, we're, we're going to take us through now. So if you are ready, we're going to do a very simple, um, very simple mindfulness uh, practice now. Um, and it's one I went on, I go on teacher CPD weekends and brilliant teacher Chris Cullen uh, taught me this and you know he's taught this to kids and he teaches it to adults too and it's just a very simple basic um, basic mindfulness practice called feet seat and hands right uh, and we're just going to be moving the focus of our attention around those three key areas but before we go into practice it's always really important to set it up correctly so um, wherever you're sitting now is if you can as best as best you can get your ankles and knees and hips so that they're ideally around kind of more or less right angles and then if you want imagine as if you're you, there was a little string that was pulling your attached to the top of your head that was just pulling your head up so your back was nice and straight mm -hmm. if you want you can either have your back supported by the chair I do because I get back pain but yeah if you don't you can move just slightly forward of the back of your chair um, this helps keep us alert and awake if sometimes people are more inclined to go to sleep in the afternoon <laughs> and where do you put your hands on your knees or yeah, on your lap? Well, I put I put my hands I put my hands on my knees, but you can put them on your lap. I I like putting them on my knees. Yeah. And then in a moment, if you're okay, um, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And again, this is because it helps focus the attention. And just for a moment, become aware of the room that you're sat in. Maybe any other noises going on around you. And then letting go of what may have ever happened earlier or you may have to turn your focus to afterwards allowing yourself to just be in this moment right now then with the next in breath imagine as if you are shifting the focus of the attention now into the feet really feeling wherever the feet are in contact with the floor and your feet might be on carpet, they might be in socks, they might be in slippers. If it helps wriggle your toes to really feel any of the physical sensations going on in the feet right now. What's going on in this part of the body? And if there's no particular sensations, that's fine too. The invitation is just to carry this out with a sense of openness and curiosity. And if the mind wanders off, that's absolutely fine. It's only doing what, what minds do, gently with a sense of kindness, 
bringing the mind back to the focused attention here and now in the feet. And then with the next in-breath, shifting the focus of the attention now to the part of the body in contact with the seat. That might be the backs of the legs, uh, the buttocks, the lower back, whatever part of your body is in contact with the seat right now. And again, seeing what sensations there are in this part of the body. Exploring with a sense of openness and curiosity. If there's no particular sensations, just accepting that's how it is right now. And if you encounter any discomfort, then just allow yourself to move ever so slightly to be as comfortable as, as best you can. And if the mind wanders off, with a sense of kindness, gently bring it back. So the focus of the attention here and now in the part of the body that's in contact with the seat. And then with the next in-breath, shifting the focus of attention now to the hands. Wherever your hands are, whether they're on your knees or in the lap. And again, if it helps to, to, to wriggle the fingers or to tap the fingers, to really feel what's going on in your hands right now, what physical sensations are arising in this part of the body. And if the mind wanders off, gently bringing it back. And if there's no particularly strong sensation in this part of the body, that's absolutely fine too. Just holding the hands in awareness with a sense of openness and curiosity. Just seeing what's going on here in the present moment. And then gradually, as we come to the end of this practice now, opening the eyes and becoming fully aware of the room that you're sat in. So welcome back. How did you, how did you find that Pam? That was really good, really relaxing. Yeah, really relaxing. What was, <sighs> was there much, was there much mind wandering? Um, there was a little bit because school is out now because it's half past three and I don't know what's going on, but my neighbours, the kids are screaming in with uh, glee or whatever. So I'm just trying to block that out. But then when I did that, my mind was just concentrated on what I was doing and I just felt so calm and relaxed. And when my mind tried to wander, I brought it back again. Yeah. And it's, you know, and you became aware, you, you know, it's very easy, you know, our minds straight away, you know, what's that noise next door? What, mm. what What's going on? You know, our yeah. mind is straight away going, what's going on? Is, is that, you know, and straight away. And it's just, like, oh yeah, but that's fine. They're just doing what they're doing. It's the exactly. end. Of, mm. It's the, probably the Friday before half term. They're oh going, yes, Yay! it is. Yeah. That's but right. I forgot mind, about that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, you know, our kind of minds are going, yeah, but then the invitation is yes, but you're here. Let's come back to yeah. you, what's going on in your own mind and your body. And, um, and of course, and you're able to do that with a sense of gentleness and kindness. That's really, really useful. And I think the other thing is to say that, you know, mindfulness, the side effect of doing this is relaxation and, and calm. Course, but it's yeah. not the goal. 
it's important to say that because mindfulness isn't a relaxation technique. Now, that's a great side benefit of it, but it's not the goal as to what we're doing. And I always say that to, to, to my um, classes, that that's great and we all need some calmness. And, 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 and we're going to get that, hopefully. But there might be days when it's quite turbulent doing practice. And that's OK, too. So I think it's important. It was. It, and that's why the discussion of these things and having this conversation with you, Pam, is so yeah. important, because it might help dispel some myths for some people. But, you know, thank you for, for going in and doing it. And I hope this has been that little practice was a really useful insight into just the simplicity of some of the practices and how they can be very, very short practices. And this is a great one that could be done with different kids of all different ages, really. Um, exactly. So I'm hoping that the listeners will, um, you know, use this in their own schools or in their own professional lives in that respect. So it'll be interesting to hopefully, you know, to find out how they get on with it, because I'm sure yeah. they'll benefit from it greatly. So yeah. I'm feeling lovely and relaxed now. It's been great having you join me for this episode. Um, while I think of it, is there any sort of website or anywhere where, where um, the listeners can, you know, go to if they want more information? Yeah, so we've got so first of all, we've got our Pearson.com site and I think you can you'd be able to navigate through to kind of look at what we offer for, for learners and educators and teachers. And, you know, we have put up um, all manner of free resources around mental health and well-being for um, for to support our, our, our schools, our teachers, our parents, our, our learners during during this year because it's been it's been very uh, you know trying and yeah. testing so there's some free resource up there little videos Brilliant. that i've put up about mindfulness and uh, audio files that you can download and pdfs up there as well as some third parties we've worked with clinical psychologists a play therapist even a circle philosopher who've all you know come on board to create some free materials for schools that's brilliant yeah and then and then we've also got what we've just launched is um you know the course that you're doing pam within pearson yeah we created the teacher facing version that we're selling and that's available so again if you if you put in um pearson uh schools or pearson teachers online mindfulness course and that's sold on a, a source a school subscription price so a school buys a subscription and all their teachers have access to all of the content it's a four-week self-study course that gives you all of the teaching all the notes for you to self-study videos of me talking about it audio files um Great. reflection logs so we've got that and you know then we're hoping to grow our kind of our our offering we've got a partnership with um part of anna freud um around a school being well well uh, school well-being measurement tool and we're also going to be launching in 2021 a well-being program for primary schools called um, Weaving Wellbeing, and hopefully there'll be a secondary school program that will be launching later in the year. So lots of lots of stuff. And in the moment, I'm actually on a on a secondment to the Italian business again, a virtual secondment this time as head of mindfulness programs, and I'm actually training up a a group of freelance mindfulness teachers who will be delivering mindfulness for teachers Brilliant. in schools across Italy, That's online great. to start off with, but in person later on. So Brilliant. lots of lots of great mental health and well-being stuff that we're doing because we know that when we can help do everything we can to uh, reduce stress and anxiety and increase focus and attention and help people manage their mental yeah. health and well-being both teachers parents and learners it reduces down any barriers to learning and that really helps you know people make progress through their lives so uh, yeah exactly really that's right key to our mission and you know and and, and and key to what you know how I want to help and uh, 
in, in the world of education and, you know, together all these little things do count and, and make the world a better place. Cheesy though it, though it might sound, it's no, true. No, it's true. It's true. Okay, Ashley, well, thank you very much for that and uh, hope everyone enjoyed that and see you for the next episode. Brilliant. Thanks, thank Bye. you so much. Thank you so much.